All right, everybody, welcome back. Part two of the Goldfinger breakdown, review, hoedown, whatever you want to call it. Mark and I, we left off. We we're just about to talk about the uh, the brilliant theme song for Goldfinger, which I yeah, think started to set the standard too. Again, Goldfinger has so much massive going on. song. As soon as it opens up, you know exactly what it. it over time, everybody knows what Goldfinger is. Well, Shirley Bassey is iconic. It's fantastic. She just belts it out. It's, it's I read iconic a one song. I read a little uh, nugget about that. At the end, she holds this note. And she nearly passes out. Yeah. She nearly passes out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know you probably know these things. Um, but I feel like uh, there's things that are iconic with Bond films. Even the guy like me who doesn't know a lot about Bond. Things I always knew. Gadgets, the cars, the Bond girls, yeah. themes, theme songs. Yeah. Always had these fantastic theme songs. Well, this now, is the big. This is the big one. But this, is the, the, this is one that sets the standard for everything else that comes. It's massive, well, big, say, and bombastic. It, it, yeah, it kind of starts here, does it not? Because I don't remember. Yeah. Th there were theme songs for Doctor No from Russia with Love, but this one, like the minute it started playing, I was like, "Oh, I've heard this song before." Yeah, it's huge. It's massive. It's a and huge then, song. Big, big. Was it French horns or something? Massive, massive. You know exactly what Goldfinger is as soon as it starts. And then Bassey comes in and starts. You can't mistake Shirley Bassey. She's, yeah, and, yeah, she's amazing. Did it, tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't she come back and do another theme song? She's done three. She did. She did this. She did Diamonds Are Forever, and she did Moonraker in seventy. She's yeah. done three. Yeah, but this is the big one. It's a massive song. John Barry composed it, and apparently, uh, folklore has it that the first person who heard it, the first person who heard Goldfinger when it was finished, was Sir Michael Caine because he was sharing. He was he was renting the spare room at John Barry's. He'd been evicted from. Yeah. His flat and he was staying with john barron he played it to him so michael kane was the first what a crazy world this is i oh, know it's not saying because michael kane inter intersect in the 60s was he well he was get he was he was he was just starting know, out right he wasn't quite a he star was, he was zulu he was um what was he um the Epcrest file i'm trying to think of harry um what was his name harry palmer he was the anti-bond wasn't he I kind of, um, I, I slightly enjoy Michael Caine. Hmm. Well, the um, Italian job at the end of the 60s. I mean, that's iconic. Just yeah. as iconic as the Bond movies. You know, uh, of course, here in America, we're, we're used to so many. We, we make everybody a, a freaking movie star or superstar. So when the, when somebody breaks out of, of Europe or England or whatever, Scotland or Ireland, and Caine was one I always got a kick out of. Connery, of course, is is I, probably the top of the mark. I, I would have to guess. And then, of course, we get the Pierce Bronze and Bronson and um, well, Michael Caine, Roger his man Moore's mannerisms, his accent, all of it. He's yeah, again iconic, like Connery. He, he, now his accent's a little Cockney. Am I correct? Am I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a little more, you know, I, 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 little might need some subtitles when he gets into a, a good conversation. Um, okay, let's move on. So we got the, the theme song we talked about. Uh, I, I made a note. The intro, I know we're going to go back slightly. The intro in the movie, I mean, in the book, is slightly different than the intro in the movie. There was a, uh, it's it's set in Latin America. I, I'll say Mexico, but I don't know that to be fact. But I don't believe it's the same 
reason. I don't think he's breaking up some kind of drug thing. And, and it's, I, a, it's a completely right. It's, it's but the it's, first it's, example where they have a, a mission that's not connected to the main plot yes. of the film. It's just to show James Bond as a secret agent, and he's breaking into a. I think it's a drug factory, isn't it? Somewhere in Latin it's America. Something like it, but it's it's real close. Like they stayed, they hovered yeah. around it. Yeah, but it's a good excuse to get him from there to Miami Beach, which isn't far away, which is where he gets he gets right. tasked with going to meet meet Goldfinger. So the thing that I that I thought was I, that I wanted to see in the movie that was different is in the book is that in the book, Bond, uh, someone uh, a businessman or whatever approaches Bond. This is what gets him to Miami in the hotel. He approaches him because he, he's I'm playing cards with this guy and I, I've met you before, Mister Bond. Their plane gets delayed is what it is. And they're talking about it. And he says, I, I'll give you $10,000 if you can help me figure out how he's beating me. At how cards. he's beating me at cards, yeah. And they skip over that whole conversation. And they really take that character out of out of, out of of the movie. But the first time you see Goldfinger in the movie, he's playing cards against that guy and he's cheating because he's right. listening to Jill in his earpiece. So they, right. they connect it. Yeah. They address it, but they took out that little – and again, as a screenwriter, I'm sure they're like, look, we can cut this out. We don't need it here. Um Again, didn't change it a whole lot, but I liked in the book the buildup to wow, because Bond has to watch him play, and they're trying to figure out how he's cheating, and then he starts to put it together. They really just shortened that whole idea in the movie and got him right to the hotel, and then that whole setup is the whole scene is the same in the book. The, the girls watching through binoculars and all that. Although she in the movie, uh, what will jump? Well, let's get to the scene where they, because um, I love the line. Of course, Bond sneaks into this room, scares the crap out of her, but she's instantly is smitten with James Bond because he is a uh, the international sure. man of mystery. The way he struts in, it's a great scene. He struts in. Who are you, Bond? Yeah. James Bond. Climb on, Bond. Climb yeah. on top of me. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, and he ends up, of course, as Bond would. He ends up in bed with the with the uh, beautiful lady, Jill yeah. Masterson. Yeah, and she's stunning. Just Shirley stunning. Eaton is stunning when, and, when he walks in behind her and she turns around and goes, who are you? And she's in that little black bikini and she's helping golfing a cheetah cars. It, she's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Made a very big impression on eight, nine year old me. Well, wait till we get to pussy galore. I mean, Boy, exactly. Jesus. I must be dreaming. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Bond, of course, has her back in his room. And we it leads us to one of the greatest lines in the movie, I think, with the uh, Dom Perignon, Mark. Uh, if you remember the line, you're welcome to to uh, talk it, say it out well, there. He, he, he doesn't want to drink his Dom Perignon 53 above the, I can't remember what the temperature 38, 38, 38 degrees, degrees Celsius. Celsius. It's as bad as, bad as listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Yeah. yeah. So iconic that there was a little back and forth with the Beatles and Bond. Because they were both so big at the time. Massive, massive sixties. It's nineteen sixty-four. It's the Bond. It's oh, that it's Bond, Beatles, and Batman. Those are the three big things at the time, mid sixties. Yeah. Well, speaking of Batman, it? off topic, there was was the Batman TV show big over there, like it was here. Oh yeah, here. Yeah, I remember growing up with Batman watching. Yeah. I mean, it can't be as all get out, but God, it was, was I loved it. Six, six, yeah, but it's all of that time. The Beatles yeah. are just breaking. They're over there doing your Ed Sullivan show. Bond's just becoming enormous. Goldfinger is the one that everything blew up with, and it's all you know, great, just a great, great convergence of pop culture. Everything's coming together. Yeah. yeah. So he makes this great line about he, uh, which to me, 
reads as very, uh, as you said earlier, a snobbery, very British, very uh, a, a proper gentleman wouldn't drink as Dom Perignon uh, above 38. Um, and off he goes to the fridge to get another one. And then, he oh gives, dear, look out, here, here comes Odd Job. And then we get Odd Job. Odd Job. What a, a fantastic villain Odd Job oh, he's is. He's amazing. What I like in the film is you only see, when, when, he's, when he's looking for the Dom Perignon in the freezer, in the fridge, you see him getting chopped from behind. Yeah. You just see Odd Job's shadow in the film. And it's just like, it's, it's great. And there's that music. It's, it's just like a, what is it? It's, it's like a little symbol or something. Just the music. Yeah. He's, he's a, a deadly villain. You can it, tell straight away this guy is seriously bad news. He does that. And, and I saw an interview in that documentary I watched that Bond said, he goes, I still think I have some pain in my neck from that shot, yeah. shot karate chop. Yeah. Um, so this leads us to one of the most iconic scenes in the movie. Um, the gold-painted lady mm. laying on the bed. Yeah. Which, so I looked this up just because I want to make sure this was a true thing, and it's it, it, it's not. Uh, they determined that she died from skin suffocation. Apparently skin suffocation is nonsense. It doesn't actually happen. It sounds great. You've got to leave a little bit of skin. You can paint yourself completely engulfed you've got to leave a little bit of skin to yeah allow somewhere skin apparently it's nonsense it's not true <laughs> i looked it's it sound, up it sounds great it did sound great and um it's funny uh, mm. I, I, but when they paint when they painted her in the scene she's lying face down on the bed and apparently they left a strip on her stomach they didn't yeah. paint all of it they they because they were still they weren't quite sure yeah, they, they were weren't nervous. quite sure yeah. they shot that scene they said it um as quickly as they could yeah but and apparently uh, she had about three they, they washed it all off it took for hours to get this paint yeah. off her. And then three days later, she had to have a Turkish bath to make sure she got all of it out of her pores. There was so much of it. I wouldn't Apparently. mind having the job of helping get the paint off. Her. Helping Shirley Eaton get her gold paint off. Yeah. Beautiful women. But when, when he comes out and it's all lit and you can see it's gold, it's, and, and there's that, just in the back, you just hear it go ding, ding, ding. And it, you see her on the bed and she's covered it. It's, it's, it's amazing cinematic moment. It's, I, yeah, this it is woman covered in gold paint on a bed it's a great moment it speaks i mean even in the, in the picture behind you the gold the gold paint yeah that's gold. her yeah and it's, it's, a, it's an iconic image it speaks so much without without saying a word yeah like you would know exactly where this this film there's there was a yeah. there was a bad dude he loves yeah. gold and this Beautiful chick's gonna die. Connery's James standing gonna... there going, What the hell has just happened? And he's like, He's on the phone to Felix, get over here now. And he's got, he's, and Felix going, What's the matter? Because the girl's dead. And he goes, Dink, because the one giving him the massage, it's not Dink. No, Masterson, Jill. And she's covered in gold paint. It's great. It's a great, great, great moment. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I loved it. And it's, it's one of those things like, again, it's been out there for, for decades. And I'm just now seeing it for the first time. This is truly uh, people may not believe me. Mm. It's the first time I've ever seen this movie. 2023, mm. uh, September 1st, <laughs> late, late in life. I get to this movie, but, uh, th that was a great scene. Uh, the, so again, the uh, skin suffoca suffocation is not a real thing. We breathe through no. our mouths, not our skin. Um, let's jump over to, um, bond is, uh, back in England. Uh, I just have a question regarding Money Penny. Is is this an ongoing theme? Is he always going to flirt with her? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always flirting with Money Penny. They have this enduring because I, I enjoy it. Will they? Won't they? Relationship. Yeah, and it all. And I, I enjoy how M chimes in that he does. Yeah. He has dinner plans already. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he's listening in. Yeah. 
But I, I enjoy that little back and forth with them. It's yeah. a fun. No, but uh, that's an established part of Bond mythology. The the flirtation with with money, Tony. Yeah. And again, brilliant. she's she's a lovely looking lady too. I'm yeah, not... she's great. Lois Maxwell, she's amazing. Yeah, she was she's... in all the Bond movies up until when was it? Um, eighty five. You took her, and then they replaced. Really? Her with, yeah. Did all of them up until eighty five, and then when they recast it with Timothy Dalton, what was her name? I can't remember. Somebody else played her. Caroline. So then Bliss. we go from uh, Caroline Bliss was her name. So uh, Bond has uh, he's 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 skittered out the broom. Mm. He has to stop over at uh, over to CQ. And then we have again one of the most like it's always Bond, cars, gadgets, women, all the rest of it, some yeah. of the key ingredients of Bond. For the first time, you see that that car. I mean, that Aston Martin so is, is insane. The, the the guy's name is Q, right? That's what he's referred to as, right? Or yeah. is it because so he it... runs Q? His his real name is 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 uh, Colonel Boothroy. But he, he runs, runs the... Q Branch, which is Q Branch, the, that's... which is the division in in the Secret Service that apparently, you know, in the war would supply for gadgets, gadgets and, and stuff. equipment to people overseas doing secret missions and stuff yeah it's a, it's an old yeah well it's an old, uh, i love how you have this scene as and, and i love it because it, it it makes but no it goes sense. down and first of all it's a parking meter that when you put <laughs> the money in it spits out tear gas or something and bond just nonchalantly looks at it and just walks away and there's yeah. q well and then you got the uh the guy that he's at the desk he picks up a hand grenade and q just yeah. takes it out of his hand and puts it back yeah, because he's fidgeting with his his gadgets, and he's kind of as almost like a father to a child. Like, put that down. Yeah, and then that's you, uh... what the director said to him when they're going to do the whole thing. He said, "You don't like James Bond. He always messes up your gadgets. You put all this hard work and effort into making this equipment, and then Bond goes out and just destroys it. So you exactly. don't like the guy, and that's where the antagonism starts. And I love it comes this love hate relationship right there. Well, and then I like in the background you see the machine, uh, the bulletproof vest test going on. Oh yeah, yeah. In an open. Um, we've not we've not perfected it yet. Yeah, this guy's just sprayed him with machine guns. Open lab, like you can't you just you couldn't try it on a mannequin. You had to use yeah. it on a real person because, like, what if it doesn't work? Yeah. No, we just killed another one. Hmm. But then we. But Bond's got to go off to Switzerland, find out how Goldfinger's smuggling his gold. He needs some wheels, so he goes down and gets his. He's usually driving a Bentley, but there's no Bentley. They reference it, saying, "Where's my?" He's, Connery yeah. says to Q, "Where's my Bentley?" And he says, "Oh, it's had its day." You'll be using right. this Aston Martin DB5, and the camera pulls back, and there is this most beautiful, beautiful silver car. sports car. It's just stunning. It is a and, beautiful car, and it it really is. I mean, it, I was messaging you. I was like, Mark, I said, I I think I want one of these cars. Yeah, <laughs> it's a gorgeous looking car. They, uh, I I did some reading up on it that uh, the DB. Three was the original car. They were in the in the book. He goes down to the carpool because he's got to go off to Switzerland and, and shadow. He needs a car. He's got to go to Europe to shadow Goldfinger. So he's got a choice between a a Jaguar, yeah, or an Aston Martin. And he takes the Aston Martin. In the book, it's an Aston Martin DB three. I think it was a three. The, the, the owner of Aston Martin is called David Brown. So the cars were were uh, named DB two, three, four, five. Yeah. So the latest one when the Goldfinger came out was the Aston Martin DB5. So they they put him in that, and it's a stunning looking car. It really it, it is. Really is. It, it is. Um, 
It's right, it's right up there. Enzo Ferrari said the most beautiful car in the world was the Jaguar E-Type Jag, and that's probably true. But the Aston Martin DB5 is not far behind it. It's a beautiful looking thing. As soon as you see it, you know exactly what it is. It's, it's classic. And, and you know, again, one, one day we're going to do an episode with the cars, and we'll have a, our friend O'Ryan jump on, break down the I've, cars I've only ever seen one once on the road, an Aston Martin DB5, and it was painted in silver, and it pulled up at the traffic lights where I was in London. And it was only there for a little while. But it's just breathtaking to look at. So it was. A, it's a beautiful looking car. It's one of those cars you kind of nod to the person, like yeah, you, you just have complete respect like, for. It. I respect. Yeah, all. It's a, you know, you know what that car is. You know what it represents. You're running yeah. it. It's a beautiful car. Well, so I'd read um, in some research before the show that uh, they weren't sure they wanted to give the cars to uh, the series to be used. They were hesitant. Oh, well, first of all, they were going to go for a Jaguar. They were going to use the Jag. Because that was the big car at the time. Jag, Jag pulled that. So no. give them an E-type Jag. So they went to Aston Martin, and the, they gave them two two production Two prototypes. prototypes. They yeah. were still working on them at the time. Yeah, there were two cars. And they said, that's all we're giving you. And they had to pay for it, from my understanding. They didn't give them they to did. them. They, yeah. But they said after after this the, movie came out that they, gave, they never paid for another Aston Martin again. No, they, they, they were on board because it, I'm sure it just – it boosted sales, I'm sure, yeah. to a degree. You, you, you'd have to wait for years to get a silver, gray Aston Martin DB5. And is the DB5, yeah. is that still produced now? Is that still a No, regular? not anymore. They, no, that was it. Was it they moved got on. Got a of 64. It was only a couple of years, and then it, the DB6 replaced it, I think, in 1966 or so. It was only a limited run. I, I saw think it. Made, I think they only made about a 1,000 of them. There's not many of them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I saw an interview with um, Connery, who said that? Uh, he goes. I think there's five or six different people claiming they have the DB5. They have it. He goes, the most be- was the, it the most beautiful car in the world, iconic car in the world. He goes, but they don't. Yeah. He said there were only two of them. There were two. There were two. And they know the, where they're at. The mythology of the well, one they James Bond's Aston Martin is would be a whole movie in itself. Apparently, one was stolen. One still exists. There's all sorts of histories yeah. of James. There's Bond's a collector Aston. who has one. Uh, I think he's here in the states. Yeah. The other one was bought by a collector, and it was on display at an airport. Well, it was in, in storage, and it was stolen from an airport and disappeared. And they record they they allegedly it's ended up in in the Far East. Somebody's yeah. got it out there, but it's disappeared. Yeah, they said it's it's gone. And they said now yeah. that was the other one from the show. There were two years. Yeah, in the that movie, was the main one with all the gadgets in it. And it's gone. It is. Yeah. We will probably won't see that for a lifetime. But anyway, but when you on. when you first see it in the film, and that camera pans back, and it's and you'll be using a Aston Martin DB5. It's truly gorgeous. It's a great moment. Well, let's talk about the gadgets. Like this is the first thing we see. So the the first, I think, the very first thing we notice. Well, so in the book, he's driving an Aston the, Martin DB3, and he's got all he's got is a hidden compartment for a gun, and he's got um, heavy duty bumpers. I think that's it. But in the yeah. film, they've got lots of gadgets. Yeah. So we got the the revolving license plate, which was inspired by. Uh, was it Ken Adams originally? Was it him who got the no? The, the, tickets? The, 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 the director kept getting. A guy it's in London, Guy Hamilton. So he said, if I had, you know, if I had different number plates on it, I wouldn't get so many parts. Yeah. So that's where that, and then it just spiraled from there. I think his stepson suggested the ejector seat. Other people talked about the bulletproof screen and the tire shredding. And all. It yeah. all came from different sources. Yeah. It just so he had, he had the uh, the ejector seat, which I uh, the the documentary I watched talked to the guy who heard the cut open. Cut the, the roof. Of oh, the, I had to uh, cut the roof of the Aston Martin. And he was like, yeah. I mean, everyone at the studio is like, no one wanted to do it. He goes, but yeah. we had to. Yeah. He's like, so I just drilled a hole in that roof. And he goes, of this 
beautiful exotic car. Yeah. But uh, so this thing had the uh, had the machine guns in the front. You've got any, so so Key's giving him the once over, and he's he's showing that there's a center console between the two front seats. If you open it up, you've got all your equipment in there, and you've got machine guns at the front coming out of the front headlight, underneath the front headlights. You've got revolving number plates. You've got a bulletproof screen that pops up to protect the rear screen if people are firing at you. You've got an oil slick coming out of the exhaust pipe. You've got tire shredders coming out of the rear wheels. Yeah, and, and a smoke got, screen. You've got a smoke screen, and you've got an ejector seat that if your passenger is annoying you, you can just flick a button on the on the top of yeah, your gear. Blow the roof and blow, blow the roof and engage the ejector. Engage and then fire the ejector seat. Whoosh out the top. Yeah. So that's the, the I love. So the uh, the guy, the actor who plays uh, Q brand, uh, Q Desmond Llewellyn, lovely man. Yeah, he was excited because they called him. He was done shooting all the scenes and they called him back in. They said, we need you to we added a, a, a scene and we need you to explain the ejector button yeah. <laughs> and the whoosh. Whoosh. But he's like, don't touch this red button. Yeah. And icon- he goes, again, another iconic moment. Don't yeah. touch- Why not? Because you'll engage and then fight. You're 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 engaging and then fight the ejector seat. And he's like, "You're joking." I never joke about my work. Double O. Yeah. So that, I had that line written down. I was like, yeah. "One of my favorite lines is I never joke about." I my never work. joke. And then that becomes an iconic theme all the way through the films. He never jokes about his work. Yeah. Uh, so that that was just awesome. Mm. Uh, so then we we get to the uh, let's move to the golf course. Oh, where, all right. Uh, where James is going to accidentally bump into Goldfinger. Uh, this was a great scene in the book. I enjoyed this scene in the book. It was it played well in the movie, um, and I think you were telling me earlier, and I and I did see this in one of the in the documentary that this is where Bond or Bond Connery his love for golf came from. This movie, uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he had to play golf, and he really took to the game. And there's then a big scene in the book. Goldfinger, Bond... uh, what's his name? Gert, uh, Gert Frobe. 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 He couldn't play golf. Sure. Never, never no. pick it up. But they said that. So any scenes you see, if it's someone swinging the ball, it's not him. It's not him. Yeah, he wasn't because he just golf. he goes. I couldn't just pick up the game, but the golf it's ball an epic game. Scene. Bond manages to get a, a social meeting with Goldfinger at a golf club in Kent. <clears throat> they need to find out how he's smuggling gold. So he goes and has, a, and he manages to get a, a golf match. I think is it in the book? It's set at Sandwich Golf Club. I yes, think. it's set what in the book. It in is in Sandwich, which is my 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 father's family come from Sandwich, so I know Sandwich quite well. But in the film, it's filmed at Stoke Poges, which is just around the corner from London somewhere. Yes, but uh, yeah, he has a he has a golf match with them, and they play for is it a shilling a hole or something? But, but mm-hmm. then this massive. The Bank of England have given Bond a bar of gold <laughs> to use as bait to lure Goldfinger into, into a trap to find out how he's smuggling gold across Europe. So he's carrying around a bar of gold. We'll have to do the math. In 1964, this bar of gold is worth £5,000. I'm sure there's some... I else. keep talking. I think I have it here. Yeah, you notes. might have it somewhere. So the Bank of England give Bond a, a bar of gold that he can use to lure Goldfinger into, into his plan. So they're playing a round of golf. How much does a bar of gold weigh? Twenty-seven pounds. Yeah, it's quite it's quite heavy. But suddenly, out of nowhere, out of his trouser pocket, he drops this bar of gold on the ground in front of Goldfinger as he's trying to play a hole on a game of golf. Where does the gold come from? How did he carry that around? 
Yeah, I mean, so one of the like little flaws is yeah. uh, this thing would have weighed well weighs twenty roughly twenty seven pounds with a bar of gold weighs. That's heavy. And he's apparently had this in his pocket of his, his sport coat. Well, he just drops it on the floor, and the way and then he just drops the way it the film there. is shot, it's like, well, you didn't step back to your caddy and your golf bag to get that bar of gold. You're talking to to golfing, and you just drop it on the floor. How did you manage that? That's that's always been amused. So, Here's my note on the gold I found in my research. Uh, this is a little paragraph. It said, the value of a bar of gold would have appreciated considerably in the years yeah. since this movie was made. Sorry. In 1964, a standard, quote, good delivery gold bar of 400 troy ounces at the fixed rate of $35 per ounce was worth, as is said in the scene in M's office, 5,000 pounds or $14,000. So this would now? be worth at least... Half a million dollars in 2017, yeah, 2018. Go. A standard gold bar weighs over 27 pounds, which would have been a fairly hefty thing to lug around mm. the golf course. Um, have you yeah. ever been, have you have you ever been in the presence of real gold? Not like that. I had a fr- I had a friend who had some I don't know. But in his safe at home, he kept two bars of gold, two little ingots, decent yeah. size, not not massive ones that you see in Goldfinger, but two little ingots of gold. He just liked the idea of having some gold in his safe. Sure. And I, he let me have a look at one of them once. And there is something quite magical about a bar of gold. There is. Yeah, you can I understand would... gold fever and all the rest of it. Oh, to absolutely. see gold, in, it, it is quite a magical looking substance, definitely. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get Oryx's obsession, obsession with it. Mm. Uh, so there's a they're playing golf. There's a great scene in the book. And also, it's in the movie, but they've changed it slightly where um, they're playing, um, was it standard golf rules? I don't know strict rules of golf. I've, I've, I've played golf once. Yeah. So I was very bad at it. So apparently, in, in if you're playing standard rules or whatever they call it, I can't remember the exact term, uh, you have to play with your ball. Yeah, you can't change your balls. And they make a big deal production of showing you the different names that they use. And in the book, they do the exact same thing. They lay it out specifically. So they're, they're feeding you a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. And the golf ball switch in the movie versus the book is, is pretty close. Not the same, but it's pretty close. In the book, it's the caddy who does all the dirty work Not of, Bond. Yeah. of switching out the golf ball. And mm. he, he lets Bond in Isn't on it. Isn't Ace it of, Ace of Hearts or something? Here's my Slashinger number six. Yeah. Penfold Hearts is the, is the, is the name of Bond the, plays Penfold, I think Penfold it is. Hearts. in, in uh, Goldfinger uh, does a Slashinger number six or something. So key to the scene is that they're playing for money. They're playing for $10,000 at the end. And um, Bond hands him the wrong golf ball. Hoping that he doesn't pay attention because mm. he's about to lose the match. He knows yeah, he he's not going to win the game. Playing the wrong ball. He plays the wrong ball, and of course, at the end, he to die. Mm. Oh, he's didn't. Is this your ball you were playing with? The mm. Slazenger Seven? That's yeah. not your ball. You got or it six, wrong. whatever it is. He wins the game, thus irritating Goldfinger himself. But uh, it played so. well in the book, and it played pretty good in the movie. Uh, we then move on to Geneva. Let's, let's move forward in the movie Geneva. The DB5 versus the Ford Mustang. Oh, yes. Which, that was the first time a Mustang was ever used in film. Uh, Ford was excited to put their car in the movie. Is that right? And they also donated the the Thunderbird that was used um, by the uh, Bond cohorts over in Kentucky when they are in Louisville, or Fort, uh, Fort Knox. 
and also the uh, Lincoln that gets crushed. That was a brand new Lincoln Town Car that they crushed. Oh yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, but uh, so Ford versus the Mustang, Mark. I mean, uh, uh, DB5 versus Mustang. Who do you think wins that race? Well, <laughs> I'm going DB5. I'm sorry, yeah, I, love, I love it's, a Mustang. That's that the, where that's going on. That's the Furka Pass in Switzerland. So he's following Goldfinger out to Europe to figure out how he's smuggling his gold. Oh, wait, forget, hold on. Hold don't on. forget, he's driving the, G- the Mustang. It's Jill's sister. Well, we forgot to mention the GPS. Oh, system. yeah. He's, 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 he puts it after the golf match, he puts a tracking device in the boot yes. of Goldfinger's Rolls Royce. And he has, in 1964, a GPS system that yeah. is tracking the car. I forgot to mention that because I thought that was amazing foreshadowing for the future of the world. And the uh, noise that thing, I mean, you can get, I think you can get an app on your phone that makes the same kind of noise as James Bond's Aston Martin GPS. The noise, it, the, the, the bleep ding, that it makes, yeah, the ding. ding, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he, follow, he follows him out there. He's tailing him through Switzerland. The Furka Pass is very beautiful. I've always wanted to drive I, out there. I definitely would love to do that, yeah, especially in a DB5. In a, in a beautiful <laughs> DB5. He's following, got- he's following Goldfinger. And yeah, it's, um, Somebody takes a shot at Goldfinger from a from higher up, and she's using. You remember him from Russia with Love, and he's yes. got the, the briefcase. She's using the same little AR7 Armor Light, yeah, same rifle. rifle. And it turns out it's Jill Masterson's sister Tilly, and she's trying to avenge the death of her sister by shooting Goldfinger. Yes, uh, who again? Uh, she is uh, uh, very easy on the eyes. This is she's lovely. Tan- she's Tanya Mallet, her name is. She's beautiful gorgeous. girl. Yeah, the, the 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 note I made about that scene was um I was curious how why does she have a Mustang over in the, in Europe product you know, placement Andrew product placement yeah I mean it doesn't make any sense because even if she I, I mean I I'm sure you could have got a Mustang over there but why would you if you if you're there to to track some just it's rent a car would that would that be the car you would have rented a Mustang well like you said all the movies in the all the vehicles in it. They're all Fords. There's there's four all the way through Bond movies. It's all there's all four product placements definitely. Uh, but the thing I thought that really again, I because I have this weird, and I'm not the only person that does this, but I just things that I catch that don't make sense is she takes the shot and almost hits Bond, which at the time now again I had I'm still watching the movie, so I don't know why she took a shot at Bond. But no, she's aiming at Goldfinger, but she 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 misses. Yeah, she's a horrible shot. Yeah. What I find interesting is that the, someone shoots a gun. There, there are a total of uh, seven people in this scene. You've got Tilly, you got Bond, you got Goldfinger, and you got Oddjob, and then you got the children, where he stops to buy some fruit from on the side yeah, of the road. That's true. Yeah. Which, again, there are three little kids, four little kids sitting on the side of, the, of a curvy road with zero traffic, selling fruit. Not a great business model, but we'll skip that. <laughs> the gunshot rings out. Bond hits the ground because the shot has just been fired. Oddjob looks up at it, doesn't make any bones about well, it. Well, Oddjob seems to, in the, I know exactly what you mean. Oddjob seems to look up and smile slightly like he knows what's going on, but then they just carry on. And the kids don't make any. No, they don't scatter. No. Now, I'm not. I mean, I live in America. We have gunshots going off all the time over here, and I yeah, don't have that casual no. <laughs> attitude towards random gunshots on a very unbusy road. But I digress. 
because that's what made me think that they were trying. She was trying to kill Bond because no, she's odd job didn't seem to have any qualms. So in my head, because again, I, I I'm still seeing it. So I don't know what's coming in the future. That he's not taken aback by it because he knows what's coming, hmm. but apparently he doesn't. So there's that. So anyway, I found that was a it, just again a beautiful, beautiful uh, drive. I would love to do that sometime. Hmm. And. Uh, let's see the Geneva must not uh, no one flinches. That's what I got for that. So, um, let's go ahead and call this episode at this point, Mark, and we'll pick up when we come back. We'll pick up when Bond uh, is at the factory. He's uh, he's he's dropped and caught. He breaks uh, into Goldfinger's factory, which is actually the back lot of Pinewood Studios. Yeah, we'll pick up from there. So let's go ahead and say goodbye for now. We'll pick up on our next goodbye, uh, part, Andy. part three. Stay safe over there, Mark. And you, Andy. Behave <laughs> yourself. This has been a Touch of Madness production. Brought to you by the creative minds at Tommy Twins Media.